This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we talk to a Regina area farmer who's encouraging other producers to donate to the local food bank. Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebeau announces more support for food security across Canada. We have an in-depth look at weather across southern Saskatchewan during the next few days, the holiday period into the new year. Saskatchewan Agriculture has put out a report on alternative livestock feed. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. A Regina area farmer is encouraging other producers to donate to the local food bank. Roy Klim donated 42 tons of high-quality oats to the Regina Food Bank, providing 67,000 bags of oats for families in need. He explains further. So we started out with uh, approximately 42 ton of oats, uh, Super B load, and uh, that went to Condi Seed, and they cleaned it and sized it to the uh, Vena mill specs. Uh, Vena then took what was the remainder of that, about 38 metric ton, and uh, into their process, and they have basically turned that into approximately 30 metric ton of breakfast oats. Those oats from there go to the Canmar food facility in Regina where they will be packaged and uh, after they're packaged they will be given to the food bank for distribution throughout the province and even into the Manitoba food banks. Why decide to do this, Roy? So it, it started back from a news program basically in, in March of 21 a program about the Chili for Children program at uh, the Scott Community Center in Regina. The Scott Collegiate Community Center is actually where I went to high school, Scott Collegiate. So it just got me to thinking about people. There was the pandemic going on, the needs, and we look at it as an investment in the community. Uh, Everybody's needing a little bit of good cheer and help this time of year, and continuing on. So this program uh, is meant to meet that. You know, Mrs. Stevenson, who used to run the Chili for Children program, was a brilliant person. She identified two needs very early. First of all, that education is the path towards a brighter future. And the second one, kids do not learn on an empty stomach. So she started that. And it was actually quite good news yesterday. We just found out that the Scott Community Centre will be starting a a breakfast program and our oats will be in that program, which really makes us feel great. So are you hoping other farmers will follow suit and donate to the food bank? Yes, we are. So the um, Avena grows a high 
purity protocol oats because it's for the uh, celiac and the gluten-free market. So the oats going in there have to be grown under their purity protocol. So it's uh, going to be basically the, the growers that they have right now. The growers that I know are all community-minded people, and they'll step up when they see a need. So we're going to make it available to them in two ways. First of all, one, they can make just a straight donation of two, five, ten ton. And the second way is what we call a round-down program. So if they deliver, say, 42.2 metric ton, the 0.2 metric ton could go towards the program. And Avena will just keep track of it in their system. And at the, you know, maybe once or twice a year, we'll be able to process that and get it through the system to the food bank. Now, you run Condi Seeds, I understand. How did you get the processors and the baggers, uh, you know, Canmar Foods and Avena Foods, on board to help with this? Yeah. So I actually run uh, Rolo Farms. And my sons, Tyler and Dustin, operate Condi Seed. But we've got a, we've had a long relationship with Avena Foods over the years. Uh, when I first put the idea all together, I contacted Gord Flayton from Avena Foods, the CEO, and he was on board right away. Gord's initiative found Canmar Grain to do the packaging. And, of course, the food bank was just elated to come on board and, and receive these oats. Tell me a little about Condi Seeds and, and the farm. Just how big is it and why grow oats? So we're um, a medium-sized farm uh, around Regina, and we grow commercial grains and pedigreed seed. The oats is just was one of our diversification projects it's starting back in the early 2000s. Uh, we've grown oats since then, and we've been, I believe it's uh, well over 10 years now, we've with, been with Avena supplying them with oats for the uh, gluten-free market. So this is high-quality oats used for breakfast cereals. That's correct, and also uh, other products. Uh, you could talk to Gord, but I, I believe it's you know right down to baby food, and, and baby food is actually one of the highest purity levels that has to be met. Roy Klim is a farmer northwest of Regina. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Seedmaster. No matter what you grow, Seedmaster has the ultimate seeding solutions for better crops and bigger profits. Seedmaster.ca. Ottawa is providing additional funding to support food security across Canada. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebeau made the announcement this morning. We have seen some remarkable food security initiatives over the pandemic. For second harvest, uh, 2021 has been another big year, with 110,000 meals provided a day on average, and 41 million pounds of food rescued and redistributed to over 6,400 nonprofit programs across Canada. With the help of federal emergency food security funds, the Community Food Centers Canada launched their Good Food Access Fund grant program for communities across Canada. This fund is giving access to food for low-income community members who struggle with increased costs and the physical barriers they face because of lack of retail or transportation available. 
Community food centers also provided helicopter drops of food to First Nation communities impacted by the BC floods. And when the pandemic closed, community meal centers, Salvation Army sprung into action, delivering meals on the streets and takeout meals to people experiencing vulnerability. And thanks to the emergency food security funding, they are now delivering food directly to the residences of seniors and other individuals who can't leave because of the pandemic. Bravo to you all. These are only some examples of the amazing impact that each of your organizations and each food bank that you support has had in communities across our country. And for that, we are very grateful to you. You can count on our government to keep supporting Canada's food banks and local food organizations. It's essential that they can offer the services Canadians rely on to feel safe and healthy, especially during the holiday season. Today, I am pleased to announce a $30 million top up for the Emergency Food Security Fund, which brings our total funding to $330 million. Just as we did since the beginning, funding will be divided among Food Banks Canada, Second Harvest, Breakfast Club of Canada, Community Food Centers Canada, Salvation Army, and La Table des Chefs. These partners will continue their important work to distribute it to thousands of local food organizations across Canada. Our partners will contribute to the distribution of surplus potatoes from Prince Edward Island, which are excellent quality but currently face border restrictions with the U.S. Since it was launched in the opening months of the pandemic, the Emergency Food Security Fund has supported more than 5,000 local food initiatives across Canada, with over 1,100 initiatives directly supporting Indigenous organizations and communities. The fund has helped to serve safe, healthy, and culturally diverse meals to millions of people in Canada. Our government is committed to improving access to safe and nutritious food for vulnerable people in Canada. This is part of the vision we created in the Food Policy for Canada launched in 2019. But more help is always needed and I invite Canadians to set up with your own holiday donation to any of these fantastic organizations. That's Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bobeau, who today announced an additional $30 million to support food security across Canada. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Sean Haney here with RealAgriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. I'm joined right now by Mr. Cody Blois, he's a member of Parliament for Kings Hants, as uh, for the Liberal Party of Canada, and it's great to have him uh, on the show here today. Sean, uh, I'm doing well. Thank you so much. It's great to be back on the show. Yeah, it's great to chat with you. And, you know, congratulations. You were named the chair for the Standing Committee on Agriculture in the House. Uh, congratulations on that appointment. Look, thank you very much. It's not only a privilege to get reelected and have the chance to serve your constituents. Uh, as I've said on the show before, King's Hands is, 
the agriculture heartland of Atlantic Canada. Uh, it's it's just an immense privilege to get to serve on the committee with my other fellow members and to get to serve as the chair. It's something I don't take lightly and uh, looking forward to the role. Now, let's let's outline the context here for the Real Agriculture audience. What kind of work does the, the House Committee on Agriculture do? What, what are you responsible to try to move forward? Yeah, so uh, we're parliamentarians that's representative of the uh, composition in the House. So there's 12 members on the committee. Uh, six are, are members of the Liberal Party. Uh, the, the governing party chairs the committee, and of course I'm a Liberal, so I, I, I've had the good fortune of being named to that position. Uh, we have four members from the Conservative Party, a member from the Bloc Québécois, and a member from the NDP. Uh, and really, the committees are their own devices in the sense that we get to decide ourselves what we want to study. Uh, we will provide uh, reports at the committee stage that then get submitted to the House of Commons. Usually there are recommendations to the government on a variety of different issues, whatever the, the committee happens to be studying. Uh, the government is obligated in most sense to respond back to the committee in terms of the recommendations in the report stage. And, and really it's an opportunity, I, I think, for the opposition to, to hold the government to account through that mechanism. Uh, for, for members like myself that are on the governing uh, caucus, it's an opportunity for us to uh, talk about ideas and initiatives that are important and also use the committee as a mechanism to highlight the government's work, but also highlight where we can do better. Now, is Minister Bebo a member of the committee or do you act as a liaison to her? How does that work? No, she's not a member uh, of the committee. Uh, her parliamentary secretary, Francis Drouin, is, however. Uh, so there's there's certainly a close collaboration from our side in the sense that there is dialogue between committee members uh, and, and the Minister of Agriculture. And, of course, as I mentioned, uh, the parliamentary secretary sits on the committee. Um, so, no, she doesn't sit on it, uh, but there, I would say, is uh, ongoing conversations between it. And, and I know even with the critic roles on the opposition parties, they have regular dialogue with the with Marie Claude. Now, this is a, a, a committee that typically ha- really works in on a bipartisan basis. We'll put it that way, where there tends to be, you know, if you look across the parties, there's some differences, but there's also a lot of similarities. You know, we've had Alistair McGregor from the NDP on this show. Of course, we've had John Barlow from the Conservatives, and then there are other members uh, on the committee uh, as well. From your standpoint, what do you think are some of the key things that the committee is going to be really, really working on studying here in this session of Parliament? Sure. I just want to touch on the collaboration piece just quickly, if yeah. I could, Sean. And one of, the, one of the, as soon as I got elected, one of the opening remarks that I had the opportunity to bring forward was the fact that the Agriculture Committee uh, is known for its collaborative work. And I think the point I raised is that each member is going to bring their own you know, ideology or perspective to the table. Uh, the parties are going to have their policy positions. But if we can do so in a way that is always reminding ourselves that we're doing this in the interest of Canadian farmers or ranchers or producers, uh, I think we're going to have successful outcomes. So with that being said, I mean, in the last parliament, we had uh, started an environmental study. We know that uh, Canadian agriculture is already doing a lot of really important work I think there's going to be an important nexus coming from the government's uh, environmental and climate initiatives, along with what I would say agriculture initiatives themselves. When I'm talking to whether it be uh, the, the cattle producers, whether I'm talking about the horticulture guys and gals in my neck of the woods, there is a real desire to want to be a part of that. And so I think there's probably going to be a desire to want to continue and finish off that study. Uh, this is all subject, of course, to the dialogue of the committee members uh, mm. deciding the direction. But I do think it's important. 
This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at Real Agriculture. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Mainly cloudy today, snow beginning this afternoon, wind southeast 20, and a high of minus 8. The wind chill near minus 17. Tonight, 2 to 4 centimeters of snow ending overnight, then clearing the low minus 11. Wind chill near minus 17. Thursday, mainly sunny, wind south 30, and a high tomorrow of 0. Wind chill minus 18 in the morning. Tomorrow night, cloudy periods, 30% chance of flurries, the low minus 19. Friday, sunny, the high minus 17, the low minus 24. Saturday, cloudy, high minus 21, 60% chance of evening flurries, the low minus 23. Sunday, cloudy, 60% chance of flurries, the high minus 21, the low minus 24. Monday, partly cloudy, 60% chance of flurries, the high minus 23, the low minus 27. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 26 degrees. Normal high for this state, minus 10. The normal low is minus 22. The sun rose at 8.57 this morning. It sets at 4.57 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot in the southwest corner, Maple Creek at plus 2. The cold spot up north, Stony Rapids, minus 38 degrees. On the roundup, Estevan is minus 8. Saskatoon, minus 9. Swift Current, minus 6. Weyburn, minus 8. Yorkton is minus 13. In Regina, with partly cloudy skies, it's minus 8. That's 18 Fahrenheit, and we've reached our daytime forecast high. Winds are from the east-southeast at 20. Humidity is 72%. The barometer falling 100.9. Partly cloudy, Moose Jaw minus 8. Winds are from the southeast at 15. Once again, Regina, partly cloudy and minus 8. That's 18 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com. And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. Cold weather is moving into southern Saskatchewan later this week. Environment Canada meteorologist Terry Lang says there will be some snow, but not very much. Well, we do have uh, a weather system moving through the province today. Um, most of the snow that's coming with it will fall through the central part of the province. We will see some across the south, but not as much. We're not uh, expecting too much in the way of accumulation, uh, mostly across the south. It'll be mostly through central region, so 5 to 10 through there, and just a couple centimetres south of there. Also uh, might see a little bit of freezing rain uh, close to the U.S. border, so just something to keep in mind. Not a lot of wind with that, uh, thankfully, um, but it will uh, move through this, the, the province. And yet there's another stronger clipper system that's going to move through tomorrow, and I think that will be a bit more problematic. Lang says there will be snow and it will be windy. 
they will bring some more snow. And again, uh, most of the snow will throw, fall through the central part of the province. Again, they seem to be getting it this year, just the way the jet stream is tracking. We will see a few more centimetres across the south. But as the cold front sweeps through, um, we'll see the winds really pick up, uh, mostly in the afternoon in the in western parts of the south, and then uh, really starting to pick up uh, in the evening across more eastern parts. And we'll probably, because there will be fresh snow from today and fresh snow falling tomorrow, we probably will see some areas of blowing snow because we will see the winds gusting 60, 70 kilometres per hour, so driving uh, tomorrow afternoon in the west and tomorrow evening in the east is going to be quite tricky. Uh, just something to keep in mind. And with those temperatures coming up too, it looks like some of the temperatures might even squeak above the freezing level. And then you get some snow and blowing snow behind that. Um, that can really grease up those roads really, really fast. The cold weather will arrive on Friday. Friday definitely looks like uh, a better day for traveling because the wind will have simmered down and the snow will have stopped but it will mark the arrival of the really cold air, and we're going to be in the deep freeze for a long period of time. Uh, the good thing about being in the deep freeze is we're not expecting to see a lot of snow coming, and often when we do see the snow, it's quite light just because the cold air has trouble making snow because there's not a lot of moisture uh, in it. So, But, uh, no, it's, it's going to be cold. And Lang describes the cold temperatures. Well, we certainly could see temperatures falling below the minus 30 mark, um, maybe even approaching the minus 35 mark. We might see some uh, extreme cold warnings come out. So that's how deep uh, the Arctic air is expected to be. So something to keep in mind if you're packing you know, to, and traveling, make sure you have that really uh, warm Arctic gear with you. Lang says the long-range forecast may see some warmer weather into January. And the weather will also go into the Dakotas. It will. It's going to cover a fair part of western North America. doesn't look like it'll you know, reach down to Texas and cause them problems or anything like that. But it's, uh, it's going to be cold across many parts of western Canada. The flip side is eastern Canada is uh, enjoying uh, some nice mild weather. Terry Lang is a meteorologist with Environment Canada. The Canadian Cattlemen's Association is downplaying a decision by South Korea this week to restrict beef imports from Canada. It's because of a single atypical BSE case found in an older cow in Alberta this fall. BSE was found in cattle in Alberta almost 20 years ago, but it's believed these cases were all caused by contaminated feed, which led to several changes and eventually the return of beef exports from Canada. Atypical BSE has been known to happen in cattle from time to time and has been found in many countries around the world. South Korea's Agriculture Department says it wants more information regarding this case. The CCA's Dennis Laycraft doubts the ban will last very long. Earlier this year, China banned shipments of beef from Brazil after a number of BSE cases were found there, including one that was atypical. But the beef trade between those two nations is expected to resume shortly. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service, ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture has outlined some alternatives for livestock feed. Jennifer Hayden is the Livestock and Feed Specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture in North Battleford and has this update. 
During times of feed shortages, alternative forages not normally fed are often used. This past summer, many of our forage crops left a lot to be desired due to extreme dry conditions. Many producers found themselves baling or silaging kochia. While kochia can have a place in winter rations, it is not without risk. If baled early and harvested before becoming mature, the feed quality of kochia is excellent, rivaling alfalfa in protein and energy levels. However, what sets kochia apart from common forages is that it contains a compound called oxalate. Oxalates bind to calcium in the bloodstream, making it unavailable, leading to hypocalcemia or low calcium levels. Calcium availability to body systems is severely reduced and calcium crystals can also cause blockages in the kidneys, resulting in death. Short-term problems from oxalates occur when unconditioned animals are allowed unlimited access to kochia. Symptoms of short-term poisoning include labored breathing, depression, weakness, coma, and possibly death. Some animals show convulsions and tetany within two to four hours of eating a feed containing high levels of oxalates. Short-term effects are more typical of hungry animals as compared to animals that were fed prior to ingesting oxalate-laden feeds. If an animal is showing obvious symptoms of having consumed feed with high levels of oxalate, it generally means that serum calcium levels have been reduced significantly and death often results. Kochia can also contain high levels of nitrate and sulfur. Therefore, it is recommended that you feed test to determine safe levels of feeding. With proper management, kochia may be used successfully as a feed. Mature kochia may be fed in cattle diets up to 25% of total dry matter intake, while kochia baled at an earlier maturity stage should be limited to 30% of the total dry matter intake. As an insurance measure when feeding kochia, it is recommended to feed additional calcium supplements to negate any effect of kochia on calcium utilization. Prepared minerals containing calcium can be used or feed grade limestone can be added to the diet. It may also be beneficial to use a chelated or hydroxy mineral supplement to allow better absorption of trace minerals that may be affected by high levels of sulfate in the feed. For more information on this or other livestock and feed related topics, contact your nearest regional office, visit saskatchewan.ca slash agriculture or call the Agriculture Knowledge Centre at 1-866-457-2377. Coming up, Market Update. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. See Nelson GM today. Grain prices were showing downward movement in early trading today. Viterra prices for canola fell $4.40 at $990.02. One red spring wheat went down $1.09 at $4.70.40. The rest unchanged. Durham, $7.16.91. Feed barley, $3.83.64. Flax, $14.70.59. Lentils, $9.86.50. Oats, $5.51.53. Yellow peas, $6.23.24. Feed wheat, 261.65. At Minneapolis, March spring wheat rose six and a quarter cents at 10.31 a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now, today's quotes. 
Assiniboia Livestock had a regular cow and bull sale on December 15th. Heiferettes sold from 90 to 129. D1 and D2 cows sold from 70 to 83 cents. D3 cows sold from 55 to 64 cents. Canner cows sold from 5 to 25 cents. And slaughter bulls sold from 90 to $1.05. This is Jordan Stevens with the Cittaboya Livestock Market Report. Have a great ranching day. The latest Saskatchewan pork prices, 173.55 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. Federated Co-ops has recorded $9.1 billion in revenue and $495 million in earnings for the fiscal year ending October 31st. The numbers are up from $7.9 billion in revenue and $177 million in earnings in 2020. FCL says it will return $353 million to local co-ops across Western Canada. CEO Scott Banda says the co-op retail system has done well despite the coronavirus. Throughout 2021, FCL continued to make investments, including expanding its fertilizer terminal in Brandon, forming a joint venture with Blair's family of companies, and acquiring True North Renewable Fuels, and a new Western Nations brand for Indigenous-owned and operated gas bars with the first location in Prince Albert. FCL also announced emission targets, with commitments to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 40% below 2015 levels by the year 2030, while also aspiring to achieve net zero emissions by 2050. This will be accomplished through major investments in coming years, such as those in carbon capture technology at the Co-op Refinery Complex and Co-op Ethanol Complex. On the markets, the TSX is up 76 points to 21,001. The Dow has risen 161 points to 35,654. Oil has gained 98 cents to 72.10 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is up 43 one-hundredths of a cent at 77.86 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive pre emergent herbicide.